What's going on, everybody, and welcome to Miked Up Episode 3. This is your host, Michael Roser, recording live on Father's Day. So shout out to all the fathers that are listening out there. I'm sure my very own is. Um, he just broke the record at Wilmette, uh, Wilmette's very own Westmoreland Country Club course record from John Roser. Uh, not actually, but happy Father's Day, Dad. And um, we've got a fantastic episode today featuring the one and only Jack Hill. Jack, how are we doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having me on episode three. Um, of course. We're, think, we're, we're, like, we're liking to think that we're going to be breaking the internet with this one here. Uh, and then we are joined, no, no Drew Robinson today, but we got another family member who stepped up uh, as a co-host. So we got Matt Roser, my brother, joining us in the booth today. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. Drew, better hurry back from South Carolina. I'm gunning for your spot. Yeah, Drew is uh, officially on the hot seat now with Matt <laughs> joining and stepping in here as the co-host for the episode. Uh, and this episode is a special one because it is our first on-location recording on the pod. We are coming at you live from Wilmette, Illinois, uh, from the box, the Wilmette box, the, uh, the one and only Wilmette CrossFit. Jack, appreciate the hospitality and for you having us here today. Thank you. Welcome to CrossFit Met. It's uh, been here for about 11 years. It used to be an old boat marina. We're located on 515 Green Bay Road. You have to pay us for any free promotion we give you. We give the, <laughs> the Wilmette CrossFit studio here. Um, no, but one of my favorite gyms in the entire North Shore. I, I think I've done three Murphs here, correct? That is correct. Memorial Day weekend. R Michael Roser always finds his way back to CrossFit Met to take on Murph. Um, and Jack, I appreciate you repaying uh, the favor uh, by jump, jumping on the pod here. And just to give the listeners at home a little bit of context, Jack is a, a longtime friend of mine. And I do want to start this off with a little bit of story before getting into your real credentials when it comes to health, wellness, and uh, overall fitness. Jack, when I first met you, this is when I knew right away because I've always had an inkling and an interest when it comes to all things fitness and just health in general. And when I first met you, someone, I was in a strength and conditioning coach or class my sophomore year at New Trier. Wow, a uh, little bit of train, train noise in the background here, choo-choo. Um, but <laughs> to get back to the story, someone told me, they're like, you gotta, if you got any questions about lifting, you gotta go find Jack Hill. And I was like, really? And I'm like, does he take this stuff seriously? And they said, Go ask him what his current sleep schedule is in your sleep <laughs> regimen. And at the time, um, when we were first being introduced to each other, you were trying something out called, I believe, idiosyncratic sleeping, um, which is what Leonardo da Vinci used to do in which you would sleep, <laughs> I think, two hours every 12 hours instead of consecutively eight hours every night. Uh, I don't think you lasted long doing that, but as soon as I heard that you were willing to even give something that psychotic kind of a chance. I was like, this is going to be my, uh, my go-to guy for questions about fitness moving forward. Um, so on top of that, I think, I think you're back to eight hours a night. Does that sound right? That is correct. I'm still waking up at 4.15 in the morning, four days a week, uh, mostly for my profession, but also that's the time to get the day started in my mind. Hell yeah. Rise and grind up and at them early. Um, well, with that being said, just to give a little bit more context on your background. So you've been coaching here at Wilmette CrossFit for about three and a half years, I think it is, correct? Yes, uh, I've been, worked my way up. I was onboarded during the epidemic. I started coaching on Zoom 
and I was on Zoom for about three weeks, then slowly made my way back to the gym, uh, which has been awesome. Steve Woodall, the owner, has been a great guide to show me how what it takes to own a gym and how to coach and be successful at it. It's been a long time, three and a half years at the same job, but it started at Nutrier. I started working at CrossFit Met during my senior project, my senior year, I, uh, which was 2015. I spent 30 days here. Wow. And it was love at first sight. You're here seven and a half years later. Wow. Um, obviously mixed in four years for college there. Um, and I'll just get everyone up to speed. So like you said, obviously started here at Wilmette CrossFit a while back, then went to college at Quinnipiac University where you were a D1 athlete. Um, so played college lacrosse over at Quinnipiac. And now since then, um, obviously here working at Wilmette CrossFit, you're a certified CrossFit instructor, certified yoga um, recovery trainer as well, I believe is the official title. Um, yoga teacher is the official title. <laughs> <laughs> yoga teacher, yogi, we, may, we went, might as well even call it. Um, and then you're also coaching currently the JV lacrosse team at Nutria High School as well, right? So you've got, your, uh, you got a lot of different hats you wear, but they're all kind of under the same umbrella um, in the fitness industry. So we figured we needed to get you on because we've had a lot of requests from fans uh, about really all things fitness. So once again, thank you very much. I know Matt, who's uh, currently training for a marathon. That's why we really brought him in here, because I think he's got about a thousand questions we're going to try and fit in here over the 45 minutes we're going to be talking today. So let me ask you first to kick things off. Cardio or weightlifting? Because that is, I feel like, the number one question you get nowadays from people who are kind of trying to start their fitness journey. And I think a lot of people, there might be some misconceptions that it's all cardio if you want to lose fat. But I personally don't necessarily agree. Um, but I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that one. I'll reiterate what Mike said. The weight loss element. Right? <laughs> it, it's Because I just kind of had it ingrained in me from a young age. You go running it, it, you, in order to lose the weight. And my, my dad actually gave me a great piece of advice. He cannot run the fork. So <laughs> it all comes down, down to diet. But ultimately, right, lifting versus that cardio. Because I, like Mike said, I'm in the early stages of uh, marathon training, but still on you know, some form of some marathon regiment. Thoughts? A great question. And that is a very reoccurring question you hear around, even with high school athletes and uh, training peop, uh, members at CrossFit Met, the average age is 51 years old. Wow. To, to do what? To be here. Oh, to, to be, be here. here. To, in the CrossFit in classes. The, the biggest thing is consistency. So as many times as you're sweating per week, but on top of it, consistency is intensity. So whether you're doing cardio or weightlifting, dividing them in between consistent and high tempo days. So for CrossFit, for example, we'll have a day where we do 75 snatches with a barbell at 95 pounds. That's gonna send you into an aerobic stage, but you're also gonna be using weight. We also have days where a workout will be three minutes long, so that's gonna ramp up the heart rate. People plateau when they lose their consistency and when they don't get their heart rate up. Come on, I went for a five mile jog. <laughs> And nothing happens. Yeah, it's because you gotta have a day where you run ten sprints as fast as you can. I think you're preaching to the choir because this guy sitting right next to me, my brother, ran seven miles yesterday for the first time in his life with a little bit of a Starbucks stop in between. Is that correct? <laughs> it, it was it was hot out. <laughs> <laughs> you still took down seven miles though, and I, and I just feel like this is one thing I really love about CrossFit compared to pretty much any other training programs I've come across, in which 
It's not just, hey, here's your program, you're gonna run two miles, then four miles, then six, and work your way all the way up. It's no, we're gonna be doing snatches one day, really getting in that anaerobic state, and then we're gonna be doing sprints the next day. And I think it really is like the jack of all trades in terms of like attempting to find the perfect training regimen. Um, but if you had to pick one and go lifting or cardio, is there a correct answer or does it really depend from person to person? Injury prevention, safety, and choosing an answer. Which one will keep you safer in the long run? Weightlifting. So training for a marathon. Uh, brief segue, at the CrossFit Games, they have the athletes for one of the competitions row a marathon. And the athletes are in shape enough that use such a variety of different workouts where it's like, all right, this is going to be brutal, but I know my body won't fail me. It's going to be either the mindset or I'm just going to drag it out, but I won't need to stop. I won't fail at rowing this marathon. I can keep going. So if you can implement weight training uh, with consistency over time, that will use your body more efficiently to lose weight and to keep it off. That's the biggest thing. There's, I've been around members. They lost 20 pounds. They'll gain it right back. Yeah, it's crazy. That's probably so, almost that's probably worse than losing it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned one thing that I actually find really interesting, and it's something that I've been thinking about. So my wife, Ashley, shout out. She's been running. She's a maniac when it comes to running. I mean, consistency. She's like the most disciplined runner I've ever met, and there's almost zero injury. And so she's run. I don't know. She's probably taken the last three years. She's probably taken 30, 40 days off in total. So I'm in this marathon training <laughs> regiment right now. I'm already feeling beat up at times. I mean, so what, I guess what's your opinion towards off days? I mean, and, you know, is that active recovery? Is that kind of more your mindset towards it? But, you know, what is your mindset towards? Because, right, the, the last thing you want to do is ha suffer an injury that's going to set you back two months, it, it, you know, at a minimum, right? It, it's, you don't want to get in this position where you're not you're sitting on the couch for three straight months. So thoughts on that? Injuries are going to happen. It's part of working out, just how you can go for a long time. There also might be times where you won't be able to go and you'll have to stop. With having a marathon in date, it is okay to go for the volume, but also keep in mind, like your father said, you can't outrun the fork. You need to have at least 70% of your recovery, be healthy nutrition, be ample sleep, yeah. be able to push yourself that 30%, especially coming from a new person going from, all right, I'm gonna go run a marathon. People get obsessed with, I need this due date. I need this deadline in order like, I'm gonna struggle maybe for a year of training, it's gonna take me to run a marathon. And the beauty of training, maybe you don't hit that due date. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't hate that lift. Maybe you don't feel good on that marathon. I think Matt's pushing back until the 2025 marathon <laughs> after that. Well, well, it's crossed my mind, but I'll tell you, I told too many people I'm doing it, so now <laughs> I'm stuck because I'm, uh, I'm going to have to do this one no matter what. I saw this uh, quote scrolling reels. I get the motivation reels that pop up every once in a while. It's not about the triumph. It's about the struggle. So it's great. telling people that you're going to run a marathon, you might even grow even more telling people you couldn't run the marathon because of that. Ooh. Even worse. Even, even worse. <laughs> and it happens all the time. But being okay once you start training, like just, oh my gosh, I lifted 100 pounds. Oh my gosh, 100 pounds, I failed at. And it really goes in this consistent wave because you want to do it five days a week. Definitely. You want to do it at least 20 minutes a day. Yeah. So And so that's that's something that's been big for me like through the years been trying to like figure out what the best split is for me. So when I was in college and I was like obsessed with lifting, I'd lift seven days a week. And then 
six months goes by and I can barely move laterally on a basketball court. And like, I've gotten to a point now in my life where lifting five days a week, cardio or active recovery twice a week. And that's what works for me. But I think like the correct split varies from person to person. But I do think having like a regimented structured lifting program is important. But this is something where I think you being the resident expert here, obviously, and why we've been, we really wanted you on the pod, because these are kind of the elements of what I think makes up good training that I have neglected in the past. And in terms of overall fitness, I think there's your training and the, like the lifting you're actually doing or the exercise, but then there's nutrition and then there's sleep. And they say these are the three pillars that make up your fitness regimen. Is there one that's more important than the other? Because sometimes I'm like, screw it. I don't care what I'm eating. I'm, if I'm going to be lifting for two hours a day, I'm going to be good no matter what. But there's some people out there that would say adamantly that that's just incorrect. And they say that, you know, it's 33% this, this, and this. Um, and they all make up your kind of overall health. When it comes to looking at it through that lens, do you view either training, nutrition, or sleep really any differently, or do you think they're all essential building blocks to making the complete athlete? Great question. I really believe it depends on your timeline. If you're trying to go for an 80-year span of staying healthy, lifting weights, and cardio, and you have no real competition or deadlines coming up for a marathon, for a powerlifting meet, for even sports, I would say sleep is the most important thing long-term. And what are you supposed to be getting, like five hours a night? <laughs> you want, they actually, it depends. If you do five hours a night, but couple it with sauna, cold water, and meditation, uh, you can still benefit from getting five hours. But if you're getting less than five hours, there's studies that show schizophrenia, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, all start early onset because Jeez. of the lack of sleep. Um, okay, and can you please clarify to my brother real quick that I did not give you answers to these questions ahead of time. I feel like you're really stealing some of the words out of my mouth that I've been preaching in regards to fitness very, very much so already on this pod. So, you know, you know, obviously you're a lot closer with Mike than you are with me, but I, so what, can you take me through what your, you know, after you graduated, what did your career trajectory look like? Because, you know, I just see a lot of kids, right? They enter the workforce and they enter, you know, the, the corporate world. And, you know, we, early on, we kind of coined the term, the phrase when we graduated a quarter life crisis, where you get out of school and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm going to be working in an office for the next 40, 50, 60 years. And I, I find it, I find it admirable to see you know, the, 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 the business that you're building and, and what you're, the foundation you're laying you know, in front of us, right? It's a sweet gym, you, you, you're building a business, you're building a clientele, and you can really hands-on help people. And you can see that transformation on a month-over-month, year-over-year basis, and that's awesome. And so you know, was, did you feel any pressure to you know, kind of go that more traditional route, especially graduating from future high school, you know, what's expected of you in terms of a career, you know, what did that look like for you and what kind of drove you into this profession versus corporate America? Great question. Uh, starting with senior project at Nutrier, that gave me a good insight of what it was like to owning a gym, working at a gym and being in a gym for X amount of hours a day. Quinnipiac, I first majored in business. I remember doing this business study, Mike's Bikes was a simulator that, uh, all the business majors had to do their freshman year. And it was pretty cool having 15 kids that were on the Quinnipiac lacrosse team in my business classes. But Mike's Bikes just wasn't for me. It was uh, multiple choice, talking about business uh, through a simulator, uh, just rubbed me the wrong way. Switched my major to history, my 
sophomore year, knowing that uh, what teachers make is a lot different than what a person in business sure. would make, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that will I have any real uh, tangible thing coming from history, reading and writing was a tangible outcome of that. But the biggest thing is when my friends were doing summers uh, between school years, they were getting internships at Goldman Sachs, uh, Goldman Sachs, They had invent invites or like interviews lined up during the lacrosse season for their summer, I didn't even think anything of it because I was going to go back and coach lacrosse. I was yeah. going to go uh, do private training for lacrosse. I was going to run a summer camp. Uh, then it really hit me when graduation came and people were like on Indeed and they were getting invites to jobs. Yeah. yeah. No one reached out to me. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, I knew I wanted to do something what I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I never really applied for any job. Some odd jobs I worked before fitness because graduating 2019, it was the pandemic that really changed things. So I, I worked at UPS in downtown Wilmette while still being onboarded in the CrossFit uh, Wilmette system yeah. on online classes. Um, no, that's awesome, dude. That's fucking great. And I think it's really cool that you've kind of navigated the unconventional career trajectory. Um, like Matt said, especially compared to like, obviously who you were interacting with at Quinnipiac, but also like our, all of our friends from Nutrier High School, it seems like you just kind of enter the rat race and then kind of climb, climb the corporate ladder um, from that, from that angle. But I would definitely say it seems like, it seems like you're doing a damn good job doing it your own way. So more power to you and that's awesome. Um, but I do want to kind of ask about your personal future. Cause it seems like you're, you know, you're coaching and, and you're obviously very well-versed when it comes to this sort of thing and training others. Um, in regards to CrossFit specifically though, cause I, I know you've been at this for a long time now and you're, and you're obviously we're doing audio only right now. So, so the fans at home can't see, but you're still rocked up. You're still, looking, <laughs> you're still looking like 4% body fat. Is there a CrossFit games in your future? Cross, funny that you bring this up because, and thank you for the shout out of looking rocked up. I grew up <laughs> 215 and that's been earned. I yeah. just gotta keep eating and uh, it's 215, yet it's not like you can just t- toss up a lot of weight on a bench press. You're doing explosive lifting. You're, I'm sure your vertical's higher than it's ever been before. Um, oh, yeah, all the Olympic style lifts. So, yeah, go on. I just, just 215. I, I weighed 205 my sophomore year of high school, but my ankles were so messed up, I couldn't even put my foot on the back of a box for a Bulgarian split squat. <laughs> I couldn't even flex my ankles like that. And now I'm 215 doing single leg squats. My ankle mobility has improved so much. Uh, it's peeling back the layers. CrossFit games in my future, I will have to say no. Oh, I was watching- Breaking news. I, uh, I watch a lot of training think tank videos on YouTube. Uh, Travis Mayer, Noah Olson, they're entering 32 and they were just talking about their CrossFit Games experience. And unless you're an a amazing athlete who had a huge sports transfer to CrossFit, uh, starting training for the CrossFit Games in your late 20s, 27, 28 is possible. I still keep it in mind, but it's highly unlikely. And you're just seeing the future of the sport. You got kids that are training at 12 years old, getting ready to go to the Games at 18. Yeah. They, uh, it's how much can you recover with zero distractions? If you're living at home, uh, if you have a tailored schedule, um, and if you're still feeling good, like some days you wake up and you don't feel good. Yeah. Uh, Drake said, 
Sometimes I feel good. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> that resonated with me. And it's so true. And to, yeah. just to find the avenue where you can head down and be most successful. But training, I want to go upwards. I still want to get better at CrossFit. I want a, a three-minute Fran time. Fran is 21-15-9, pull-ups and thrusters. Uh, want to be able to snatch 225 mm -hmm. at 215 right now. So just keep adding mass. But the goal is to maintain. I, gotcha. I really want to... Uh, be able to demo well enough for athletes that I can do any movement and do it better than them in the demonstration and also to be able to live to 100 and be mobile. That's awesome. Yeah. So many people golf, so many people play basketball and it just goes back to that, wow, my wife is really good at cardio because she does cardio all the time. Yeah. You know? And if you were able to put a load on her back for a back squat, she wouldn't be good at that because she doesn't back squat all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do something all the time, injuries will come from that. There's people that tear their labrums and their hips by golfing, yeah. shifting the heels from one side to another uh, just because they're overloading it so consistently, not stretching it out. Every time you work out or do anything active, your body just gets tighter in itself. And if you're not moving your body in different ways daily – it's just gonna get tighter and tighter and tighter, and next thing you know, you haven't worked out for five months. Yeah, yeah. five months turned into a year. So you know, my brother and I kind of have—I don't know if you'd say we, we we've tiffed over it, but you've certainly put a, a bigger importance on stretching than I have over my—I don't know—life. I don't know if anyone stretches more on planet Earth than me, or or less than me. <laughs> what is your—you know—how much are you stretching, and what is the importance that you value stretching? Stretching has changed my life. The reason I signed up for my yoga 200 hour teacher training because it just really drove home what you should feel like. A lot of people do these stretches at the wrong times um, of the day. <laughs> the I, goal, I, I might need to take a lesson. <laughs> the goal to stretch is you gotta be warmed up. You gotta be sweating. Yeah. So you gotta be able to put that 20 minutes of work in whether it's playing basketball, running, and then you get to, you have to go, they talk about yoga is not a workout, it's a work inside. So <laughs> stretching is a more of a mind-body connection and how you feel yourself in space. It's called proprioception. Uh, where is your body relative to where you are? And stretching gives you a better sense of that. And stretching uh, prevents injury. Um, there was a coach at, Cross, uh, at Nutrier during 2014, Coach Bora. He said that stretching is just pain tolerance which kind of is a perspective, but stretching after you're already warmed up and sweating will help push those muscles that clumped up and pulled near each other outside to open up the hips, open mm -hmm. up the shoulders, sit up straight. The posture is what's... That's the other thing I'm working on. Look at me right now. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> proper posture grows pro proper muscle. Yeah, so great. if you are hunched over, so many people worked hunched over typing on a laptop for 12 hours a day, no big deal. But if you don't open up your shoulders and sit up straight, your core and torso will grow in that position. I wrote at Quinnipiac a thesis on sleep. Uh, it was called Caves to Castles and just looking up how sleep was so important and what kind of beds people slept on. But I came across an interesting study on just sleeping positions and resting positions. If you rest in a proper position, you'll grow like proper posture. Po okay, posture. So Got if it. you're sleeping on a bed, the best way to sleep on a bed that I found, in my opinion, is 
have a pillow behind your neck uh, to prevent sleep apnea. A lot of the times if your chest is sure. higher than your neck, you'll start to choke on your tongue or snore. Then also put two pillows under your hamstrings to allow your back to be flat. No, that's really, because I, I personally find myself like I need to shift my, like what my, you know, perception of stretching is. Because like if I get into the weight room and I start stretching, I'm like, this is a waste of time. I should be, because I've been working a lot lately. I've been training for this marathon. It's summer, golf, big, busy golf season. I, I just, I'm like, I, there's more productive things I can be doing with my time. And I go on, and I'm, I'm starting to increase my distance for these runs. And I'm going from, I haven't run in probably, I what, like three, four years? Three years, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah sure, we'll be nice. And <laughs> you know, I'm at to, I'm at a point now. I'm running four to six days a week, and it has an impact on your body. And it, it is idiotic to think that's not going to have an impact on your body, especially if you're not stretching. And to neglect that is just is ludicrous. And I mean, it's like, are you stretching what an hour a day? Or okay, I mean, we're not all David Goggins. We can't devote <laughs> hours a day, but I'm starting to realize real quick the importance. Because, you know, I'm just getting tight in areas like my legs and it's just not normal. And I, I, I'm exposing myself to a different type of training that I'm certainly realizing this is, not, this is something you can't neglect. Can't neglect it. Eight minutes holding a, a stretch for 45 seconds after you run seven miles is all you need. You just need these daily maintenance checks. Your body's a machine. If a machine goes unmaintained, it breaks. Yep. So stretching, especially when you push your body further than you have before, is a necessary activity you need to do daily. But stretching also doesn't have to be these static stretches we learned in fifth grade in yeah. PE. Stretching is hanging from a bar. Uh, it's forcing yourself in mobility with a PVC pipe. It's taking a mobility ball and rolling out your hamstrings. Mm -hmm. When you run, everything's being pulled forward into your quads, your toes, your chest. We need uh, the whole thing. I started a little bit of that. CrossFit opened my eyes to the posterior chain, mm -hmm. your hamstrings, your glutes, your low back, your shoulders, your shoulder girdle, all the muscles behind your ears, behind your knees need to have some sort of resistance training to them because we are always pushing ourselves forward when we're walking, running, we're training only our front half while our biggest muscles are behind us. Dude, and not only that, have you ever heard of the psoas muscle? The psoas muscle, David Goggins calls it the soul of the body. Yeah, it's basically like, basically connects like your entire lower back, your hips, and your stomach all to like up. It's a muscle deep inside of your, inside the interior of your stomach and it connects basically all those essential parts of your body. And I will say one thing, and I've personally noticed this after sitting at desks for what felt like a four year stretch, where once you're sitting and you're living that sedentary lifestyle, you're essentially not activating those parts of your body. And you wanna talk about it for any of our listeners out there, if any of them are smart enough to run with this idea, a trillion dollar business venture is for someone to find a way to keep people's hips and lower backs loose. Because even amongst our 25 year old friends right now, how many of them do you hear, myself included, oh, my back is fucked. Well, if your back is fucked when you're 25 years old, it's probably not gonna get much better between now and when you're 75. And I think a lot of that comes down to the sedentary lifestyle of just sitting at a desk, not keeping your core activated whatsoever. Um, do you hear about complaints in that regard? It, I was talking to someone yesterday on how they just haven't worked out since college. Uh, how old were they? They are 26. Okay. And just slipped a disc golfing. 
Yeah. And it's the scariest thing ever. And now they have all the money in the world, but they just all they want is their back to feel better. Yeah. It hurts when they stand up, hurts when they sit down. And the back, there's that uh, saying, you're as old as your spine. And uh, Michael said a, a thing of sediment, sedentary, sedentary, uh, yeah. sedentary and uh, inactivity, your muscle groups will really just turn off. Yeah. If you don't use your hamstrings, if you don't strengthen your low back, it's like a cobweb. It'll just keep on getting dustier and it will be so hard to activate then it'll just slip. Yeah. yeah. The muscles won't fire. It will just grow out of place. It's so scary. You, you don't use it, you lose it. Exactly. And it's so corny, go. but it really is. Same with feet. If you don't take proper care of your feet, there's so many people with plantar phyitis yeah. and like are in uh, suicide groups on Facebook Jesus. not to uh, KIM themselves. Yeah. Just because the, the their feet turned off and the nerves died and it's like this most painful of pins pricking oh, your yeah. toes. Sounds terrible. And it's just so crazy being on the North Shore still where the average age is 51 in the gym, hearing about how many doctor visits are I'm coming sure, up yeah. and, like, and what could have been avoided. What, what do you think the doctors prescribing antidepressants for every for everything <laughs> that they're bitching about? Almost, but painkillers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, and Big Pharma is not a friend of our podcast. Um, so we're, we're definitely more into more holistic recovery methods. And I will say for anyone listening out there that, that works a desk job, the biggest cheat code I've come across in terms of maintaining your athleticism, keep a lacrosse ball at your desk. Th- that and or a standing desk. Yeah, a standing desks are even better. But no, if you can keep a lacrosse ball in terms of combating plantar fasciitis or a tennis ball really or a golf ball, any ball, but if you're able to just roll the bottoms of your feet, we're getting really into the weeds here. Um, but that is a that is a tried and true method of recovery that definitely goes a long way. That is, and shout out to Big Pharma. <laughs> <laughs> just and uh, modern medicine because just seeing CrossFit they can get a knee surgery, hip replacement, and they're moving again. Yeah. You can get a cortisol shot, and that can last you another six months. The, the worst thing is, is neglecting the body, and in your 50s going, I need to start moving again. You're moving again. You get injured. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you were sedimentary, and now you're trying to load up. You're trying to add resistance. You're trying to keep up with your friends. Yeah. But you're at a – that's why it's so corny, but we always talk about how every body's different. Um, every athlete's different just because you don't know where they've been the past 30 years. Yeah. They don't, a car crash is devastating on your body. Yeah. It'll appear in so many ways you try to move. Oh, I got hit by a car. I fell off my bike. I tripped off the stairs of my fraternity house in college. Yeah. It's almost like everyone needs a registered health professional and you're now officially at that for this podcast. But no, like with someone to kind of take an inventory check, see how they're like, see what wear and tear you have on your body and then proceed accordingly and find the best, the best methods for you to, to kind of put you in the best shape forward for the rest of your life. Because I don't know, I'm trying to, dude, I'm trying to run marathons when I'm 60 years old. Like I'm trying to be a weapon um, for as long as I can be. And I think a lot of people, especially the people listening to this podcast, that will definitely resonate with them because of, the end of the day i look at it like i get one body right like you can't really find another one down the road unless you never know with technology technological advancements nowadays especially in medicine but for the time being it seems like we're stuck with these so we're trying to take as best care of them as possible so um no it definitely makes a lot of sense what you're saying and i do want to just backtrack a little bit real quick because this has been tremendous so far, but I feel like we've definitely gotten into the nitty gritty when it comes to, to fitness um, and some of the specifics when it comes to different training approaches and that sort of thing. But what about someone who might be listening who 
is out of shape. They've, they've really just taken the last five years off and they're looking to get back into things. Obviously, aside from the number one recommendation, signing up at CrossFit will not. Um, Specifically. On, uh, yeah, outside of that, if someone's really kind of just at the novice level, how do you recommend that they get motivated, stay motivated, and get on the right program that they can really start to reinvent their lives and get themselves back in shape? Shout out to CrossFit, Matt. Of course, of course. (laughs) It really comes down to, do you have a training partner? Uh, I know people that are doing couch to 5K right now where they haven't really done anything, but tomorrow they'll have to jog for six minutes. And so many things are comfortable nowadays where sweating and just making yourself winded sounds like the hardest thing to do. You can break a sweat and make yourself winded in six minutes and that will help you feel mentally better tomorrow. And going off of just staying with a consistent person, the bond you create while being a training partner, the relatability, the conversation. Um, Just briefly, I love being in the moving business because me and my movers, we would move a a washer down a three flight of stairs. We would break a sweat, breathe, have to talk to each other and communicate. It was a bond we formed and just, I'm so happy I was able to do that. But having a person that you are want to share goals with and surround yourself with will carry you to the next level. I like to call that an accountability partner. And I think it's essential when it comes to especially staying committed to a fitness quest that you might find yourself on. Shout out uh, Ryan Hardigan and my brother and I, we both, we, the three of us all joined a gym when we first moved downtown th- about four years ago. And I wanna say for a good 18 month stretch, we called ourselves the Get Better Club. With hat through hell or high water, 6.15 a.m., we were always on the gym floor. Um, and like just to even have that as an accountability method makes it so much more likely that you're not going to be missing workouts because if you know you're going to be called a pussy by your friends, <laughs> um, we can bleep that out. But no, if you know you're going to be criticized and ridiculed by your friends, like no one's going to miss a workout if that's the case. I, yeah, I, I think, you know... Everyone hopes to have that discipline element where they can do it themselves, right? But it is hard, especially when you're working and you got a busy schedule, right? It's easy to neglect that early morning workout in order to you know, say, I need the extra hour of sleep so I can have a productive, productive day at work. But in the long run, that's gonna, it's gonna have a, take a toll on your body and your ability to perform. And you know, I think back, like you said, those early days of COVID, I didn't have a choice. I was getting up because it was either that or I was getting a bucket of water on me from you, uh, Michael. You respect that? I sure do. And there were certainly days where I did it. But guess yeah. what? You get out of bed and then you get – and by the way, that extra hour of sleep doesn't really matter. You'll probably Because you're going to get up and you're going to – the days I work out before work, you have a more productive day. 100%. You get stimulated. You have more energy. You have more energy. And I, I, I love that thing you said, right? It's if, if you can kind of have that accountability partner or buddy, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it gets you up and it gets you to do the, get to the gym. Even if it's a 10-minute CrossFit workout, it gets you sweating and it has an impact on your day. Who's going to help you grow? Yeah. And if everyone talks about goals of like whether they want to hit on the golf course or how much weight they want to lift, but who – actually listens and will be happy for you to reach those goals is huge to backtrack we have a great thing or i heard a great thing just your warm-up is your workout so those days you feel like crap and you really only have 20 minutes you can be productive in those 20 minutes even just doing some banded resistant things doing a couple push-ups doing 50 burpees and that really comes down having accountability partner but 
The discipline will come from the consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. Discipline will come from the consistency. Discipline equals freedom and consistency breeds greatness. That's what we like to say on this pod. Um, no, but I totally agree with you. And um, yeah, the accountability partner goes a long way. So I do want to ask this as well, because this is something I was thinking about before the show. Um, obviously, you're talking about what time you're getting up at 4, 4.30 in the morning a couple times a week. Um, like I said, the Get Better Club was always attacking morning workouts. But there are some people who just aren't morning people or who might you know, just have to be in the office earlier or something, for example. Do you notice a difference between people who are training in the mornings or in the evenings? Because for some people, you know, it might just make more sense in the evenings and they can still be in tremendous shape and still be attacking their fitness goals. Is there anything to be said about the way, I don't know, lifting in the morning, it changes your metabolism compared to how it does in the evening or really any effects um, that people might not be thinking about in terms of training in the mornings or versus night. Is there anything to be said about that? Or if you're getting some, some work in, it doesn't matter. What do you think? A great question. Uh, in the coach industry for team training, there's an argument that, especially for collegiate kids and high school athletes, to let them sleep in. Uh, don't do any before school training. Sleep is the number one priority. The most ideal time to work out for your physiology is four hours after waking up. So if you're able to train at noon, that is the most peak performance. Uh, training in the morning uh, before you go to work or something definitely spikes your metabolism, uh, creates uh, relaxes your cortisol levels so you can breathe e easier, uh, send so many endorphins, you'll be more creative. Working out at night, uh, if you're able to get it in, uh, people say that working out later in the day, you can get a lot heavier uh, just with weights because your bodies are moving around more, you're at your uh, tallest point of the day later in the afternoon, um, so for athleticism that goes well. but. No, it really does not matter. Uh, in my personal opinion, when you eat food and when you work out, because if you're doing that consistently, it does not matter. But a person that is trying to lose weight uh, should should not eat food four hours before bed because they want their or two hours before bed to let their body um, not have to fight metabolizing throughout sleep. That's a big thing. Eating right before bed is great for gaining weight mm -hmm. because you'll slow down your metabolism, but eating, uh, and if you don't eat two hours before bed, your body won't have to dissolve something in the stomach. You can just sleep more peacefully, but it's tough falling asleep on an empty stomach. Also, uh, in the morning, I was a huge no breakfast eater, but now um, to gain mass and the fast, eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So you hear a lot, or I read a lot about intermittent fasting because it seems to have been the fad recently or the last two or three years, at least what's come across my feed. What are your thoughts on that? I tried it. I, I uh, did the thing, not eating till noon. I, and I personally was moving around, coaching classes sure. before noon. So I lost weight. Um, it, it worked for me. I know other people that will try to just eat like one or two meals a day and not lose weight because if you are overweight and you try to jump into intermediate, intermediate fasting and you're not eating the right meals, your body will fight into survival mode and you'll actually slow down your metabolism because it's like, oh my gosh, I need to hold on to these calories before I get to my next meal versus in, uh, intermediate fasting. The intention is to speed up the metabolism because you go into that fight or flight survival mode in that 12 hour window. Um, so I personally... It goes back to consistency. Are you eating good right, food? Yeah. Are you working out daily? 
Um, but I'm a huge fan of eating breakfast, especially if you're indulging in caffeine. Mm-hmm. Big coffee drinker. This is a big caffeine podcast. Yeah. I promise you that. Um, yeah, we love to be stimulated early in the mornings. Um, okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. And um, that's good to know. No more breakfast for us? Kidding. We're going to be loading up on breakfast. Uh, but but going off that, if the most optimal, optimal way of eating is every two hours. To feed your metabolism. Really? Yup, to let it burn. And like you can look up online. There's so many diets on this. A five of every two hour window of eating will keep your metabolism burning, especially if you're being active. So if you want to wake up, run, do your cardio for 45 minutes, eat. Um, then you go on two hours, eat again, eat again, eat again, and then hit another 30 now, minutes. Now, are you talking about like small snacks throughout the day every two hours? But you're not talking about them. Especially for someone that's working an office job. But like, what is a snack? Is three eggs yeah, and an avocado a snack to you? My, my coworkers would argue it's, it's a meal for me. <laughs> which is, it, it does not help with weight loss, which is the current endeavor I find myself on. Eating clean food, drinking a lot of water. Sugar yeah. holds on to fat. Meat is really hard to digest and takes about six hours. So eating meat, eating less meat, you'll lose weight. Really? Really. Wow. So just but instinctually, I, not, I think I, of that as, as you know, a, eat protein, no carbs. That's how I was, you know, instilled in me how to lose weight. I'm not a dietitian, so you can't take any of my advice. You're for better truth. than me. <laughs> uh, just I've eaten a bunch of different weights, and I wanted to lose weight for lacrosse season. I was way too heavy. I wanted to drop from 200 to 192. I drank raw water, eat oatmeal, eggs, yogurt, didn't eat meat. I wanted to eat foods that were going to be flushed out of me quickly. So meat takes a while to digest. Sure. Uh, salads replacements. Uh, my protein, I subbed out. I ate to tofu. And I still don't know if soy is a good substitute for anything. Sure. Um, but now I'm back on that meat your train. estrogen this guy right uh, Seriously. And <laughs> soy definitely makes you feel different. But... But nothing really really replace actual food. So like I'm not a big fan of Fairlife protein shakes or even protein tubs. It will help you um, feel full. But all that stuff, like it wasn't around when our parents were growing up. It's probably making our stomach so inflamed and thick and just giving you a false sense of fuel. Have you ever heard of the paleo diet? Have heard of the paleo diet. So that that one where basically for anyone who is listening that doesn't know what that is, it's basically um, a theory of maintaining a similar diet to what our ancestors would have been eating 10,000 years ago back when we were hunter and gatherers. And it basically, um, to sum it up, means you're eating naturally occurring foods, whether that be meats, leafy greens, tons of water, obviously, even milk, but really anything before the industrial and agricultural revolutions is what you should be eating. And that's one I actually can get behind because you take a look at the health or the food industry in and of itself, and you've got all these fads out there now where it's like, oh, drink this shake that's in a little little bottle of whatever, and it's going to give you 75% of your daily nutrients in terms of protein. And like, I just at a high level take a look back at that and I'm like, I don't know. That could be right, but something doesn't really add up with that. You, the body can't break down all that protein at one time. A, B. There's a study out there that every nutrient after, especially with like these juices and vegetables, you need to eat them within. For juices, if you're juicing something, you need to eat like or drink the juice. If you juice celery, oranges, apples within 15 minutes or else, that, or, or else the enzymes that just is, die. That's crazy. So like if you see these juices at the supermarket that like have the sediment at the bottom, it could really just be like 
not active ingredients and really just be like old tasteful juice. Yeah. So that changed my mind. That by eating the actual food instead of relying on a processed packaged health food is better in the long run. In my opinion, I'm not a dietitian. <laughs> Mike, I, I could not agree with you more with regards to the paleo diet. I, I mean, if you look at, you know, obviously obesity is a huge problem in our country. If you, there, I, I saw this picture a hundred years ago, right? It was this guy that was basically put on a, a pedestal as entertainment where you could come look at the fattest man in, in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's your average American today. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, you just look at, if you eat real foods, you, you read the ingredients on half the stuff you eat now that's in, a pa- that's in packaging. And it's just like, you don't know what most of it is. All of these oil and these colorings. It's like, what is it? You, know, you, you have no idea. And, it's, and we won't get too into it because that'll take us down a whole rabbit hole as to you know, how this stuff, it, it, you, you, you're able to market it and, and you know, these lobbyists are able to allow it, really. Yeah. And it, it, it's, there's just no way it's good for you if you don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. If you just eat real food that the body was, it, it, it was, it was, has evolved to be able to, to digest, it's probably going to you know, serve you well. Yeah. We hear, I, all the time you hear so many members here go take three weeks in Europe, yeah. come back, they, didn't, they drank every night, didn't gain anything, feel better. Yeah. Uh, just because the portion sizes, the food's more fresher, but who's, who's to know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think in our demographic alone, um, obesity rates are at about 60% now in the United States. And at some part of me can't even fault individuals because you walk into a grocery store and it's like you're going to war. You yeah. got the Twinkies and you got the Hostess donuts front and center as, and then you got to go search in the back for some natural blueberries really. And it, and it can be tough to navigate through. And, and that's part of the reason we really wanted to have you on the pod is because you're obviously extremely well-versed. We know you're not a registered dietitian, but you definitely know what you're talking about um, a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's how I operate. And I'm by no means an Olympian, but I'm definitely throwing some good weight around and got my mild time down still. And I, I do that by just work, training hard for an hour a day and then just trying to make good decisions with the spoon and the fork and the knife. Um, so it sounds like we're all really on the same page here. And there's one other thing that you kind of mentioned a few times now since we've been talking, but it's, I think, kind of a forgotten or slept on element um, to really just overall well-being, and that's hydration. Um, Obviously, you got to be drinking, what, close to a gallon of water a day if you want to be operating at your maximum capacity, but do you... Uh, have any opinion on kind of these other hydration drinks that are now plaguing the market? It seems like Gatorade's been around for a while now, but now you're seeing competing podcaster Logan Paul getting in the mix, offering, <laughs> offering uh, Prime, it seems like in every store you walk into nowadays. What do you make of those hydration drinks that are out there? The marketing is crazy for them. Uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, Lily, have been swept up. Shout out, Lily. Shout out, Lily. Uh, to We love Celsius. Celsius, Celsius is great. It is great. Um, but once again, one of those things when who knows what's in it, but it, yeah. it makes you feel a certain way. Water is good. Uh, salt with like a little electrolytes, if you buy a different thing, is good because you can really just start flushing out nutrients if you're just drinking only water. It's coconut water, so good for us. Uh, it's when you see these energy drinks with a lot of sugar. Yeah. Sugar is a dehydrator. It's an inflammatory. It will make yourself, your insides stick together and it's so hard to flush out. So when you see these primes, um, <laughs> coaching uh, seventh and eighth grade youth lacrosse, it's crazy. Just a kid's combo would be a prime energy drink and 
a, a, a game rate. A jewel. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though. So and it's just like having these young kids exposed to hundred milligrams of caffeine and sugar and a combo oh, yeah. and uh, to have like, I didn't start drinking energy drinks until college. Um, but I can imagine doing it in seventh and eighth grade. Dude, and, and I, I can't even fault these kids because like I feel like when we were growing up in high school, it was either black coffee, which I promise you I was not drinking, even though I love black coffee now, or Red Bull. And I wasn't drinking a Red Bull, but now it's like they got blueberry, Raz, freaking icy flavors of every single brand is releasing these energy drinks and just They, they market it so well where you want to collect the, rain, yeah. the rainbow. You yeah. want every single prime. You want every single new rain flavor. And exposing yourself to 200 milligrams a day every single day. At 5 a.m. Yeah. yeah. It's more like it's more like every two hours for me and Matt. Um, we're, we're big caffeine guys. But no, we, we, we used to love those C4 energy drinks. And we've been tapering off. We're now onto the, the, the Gatorade fast switches, um, which I don't know if you ever use those for pre-workout. Those are great. Um, shout out Gatorade, but, um, no, I agree. And those aren't even in the avenue of like hydration. They're very smart about it where they'll have their prime hydration drink and then they'll have 12 flavors of the prime energy drink. And you can't even differentiate between them on the shelves. And next thing you know, you're buzzing off the wall because you just dumped 200 milligrams of caffeine. And it's definitely addictive. You want to feel that whenever you do something there, uh, there's another saying like, don't partake into dopamine before you do activities. Cause if you give yourself a caffeine rush before you have to work or lift, you'll associate like, I need to do caffeine before yeah. I do any of these things. Um, but also going off the energy drinks. They're dangerous. They're a dangerous game. They're a dangerous game and you want them every single day. It's an expensive thing. Like you, you have to, and I, yeah. watch a, I watch a lot of YouTube and, uh, there's this YouTube channel, the anabolic twins, mm -hmm. uh, two guys that like openly take steroids, but they openly will drink five monsters in a day. And they did that for years. And now their hearts are really, they beat so fast. Uh, Lily and I are watching the Marvel movies just finished Iron Man three. I like to think about your heart as his, uh, device that's keeping the trap mill. If you skyrocket your heart for X amount of hours, every single day, your heart won't have a strong lifespan as a calm staying at 40 beats per minute uh, or getting- 40. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I are at 90 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the only downside whenever I have my eye, because the Celsius, I've been on the daily Celsius grind. And, Is your uh, resting heart rate really 40? I, it's, no, I don't know what, it, I don't have a whoop or anything, but. I know when my rate is low and I know when my rate is high yeah. and I know how to slow it down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but professional athletes, they should be sitting around 40. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, well, I'm definitely going to be weaning back on my caffeine intake. Oh, it's yeah. so hard to when it's you so operate hard. at a productive level and like so everyone's doing it. Oh yeah. Everyone's, everyone's drinking caffeine. It's hard to keep everyone's up with people. Booze. And, it, and if you choose not to be partaking in the caffeine, you're going to be passed up oh. at least in the short term by people that are. And the headaches from weaning yourself off caffeine. Yeah, no, caffeine is a, a we could have a whole episode on caffeine and how it, that drug, because caffeine is a drug and how it's become so ingratiated in American society. I like to think caffeine and high performers go hand in hand because it is a performance enhancer athletically, mentally, uh, in a lot of different fields. And 
it's a drug that's literally available every 25 feet that you <laughs> every yeah. store you come across. Um, but I also like to think I probably wouldn't have graduated college without caffeine. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's all about trade-offs at the end of the day. Um, Jack, we do have one final question for you, and this has been fantastic. And if you have any parting words you want to share with us, obviously the floor is all yours. But you did mention the 7th and 8th grade lacrosse. Was Andrew Roser, my little cousin, the best player on your team? Technically, yes. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Roser was our goalie. Goalie has the most responsibility on the team. He brought the energy every single day. Highly coachable, and that's a huge thing in a goalie, just because they will dig themselves in a hole if they start lighting up shots. But there's this cool thing at Yale. Yale's goalies will only see about 70 shots a day because that's when you're uh, – a hot hand-eye coordination around the 40 to 70 uh, reps is at its peak, and that just starts to dwindle. Wow. So keeping that in mind for a lot of like my daily tasks, I, I think is cool. Whenever you're hitting the range, no like 70 balls after 70 balls, take a break. Mm -hmm. um, but Roser, great goalie. Hope he stays with the sport. Uh, such a good kid to coach. What did his caffeine intake look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to uh, he's going to New Cheer next year, starting as a freshman. So I believe he will be trying out for the lacrosse team. So hopefully he sticks with it. You gotta you gotta have a couple screws loose to be a lacrosse goalie. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, yes, you do. I think it's one of the greatest sports, and being a goalie is one of the most fun positions you can have on the team. Hell yeah. Well, Jack, this has been unbelievable. We appreciate the hospitality here in the box and you sharing all this wisdom. And I, and I do say wisdom, and I don't mean that lightly. I think health and wellness and fitness are three of the most neglected but so important aspects of really everyone's lives. And I think more and more people are kind of waking up to this and recognizing, hey, I don't want to be a slouch. I don't want to be a sloth for the rest of my life. Like People are definitely coming around to the fitness industry. I feel like new gyms are coming up every day in the city of Chicago. Um, and you're, you're obviously fighting the good fight. So we appreciate you hopping on here and we're gonna need you on again. I, I appreciate you having me and thank you for uh, mentioning the wisdom. It's just being in, going from being at Nutrier, then being in a D1 locker room and uh, in athletics, having a, a fun, successful career there, being a captain and then being back in my hometown, doing the same things I was doing in high school is definitely a trip, but <laughs> it's also very cool knowing that I, a pillar of my life, it, working out is fun and yeah. being able to do it with people you care about is even better because you will grow. You will grow from working out, whether physically or mentally. And like Rose uh, said about waking up to being in good shape, being a good diet, having accountability, but buddy, it's cool. Yeah. It's so I see all these reels on Instagram where like it's trending when you're when your parents are down the hall and you rep out 20 push-ups real quick. <laughs> Do your push-ups in front of your parents. Yeah. They're gonna love it. No big deal. It's I hate how like people make each other feel uncomfortable if someone's like stretching or swinging their legs on a railing at the airport, like let him do his thing. We don't have to be drones and feel all stuck up. It's okay to move your body freely. And that's why people love dancing. Yeah, of course. No, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like people walk, walking through the airport, it's completely normal to be sitting on your phone for an hour and a half straight before your flight. But God forbid someone's doing swinging leg kicks uh, to get loose before their flight. So yeah. Um, no, like I said, we appreciate it. It's my brother's first ever time on as a, as a co-host. Um, so Matt, A plus to you. We appreciate it. <laughs> Jack, we might have to get back in here on July 4th for a Murph. That's awesome. I, I, I love how doing a workout together is so memorable. You want to do it once a year. It's another holiday. Hell you're yeah. just putting in the work. 
Hell yeah. Just clock in, clock out. Um, so yeah, Jack, this has been awesome. All mic'd up. Episode three. We appreciate it, everyone. We will talk to you next week.